beautiful people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Semya, who worked for the United Nations for over 30 years as an economic advisor. And Semya has lived all over the world, in, in Europe, Africa, Central America, and New York City in the United States. And fun fact, she is my landlord. <laughs> and you'll get to hear how exactly we got to this conversation where... Oh, we decided to do this interview, but she's going to give you an uh, inside scoop of what it's like to work on different projects around the world for the United Nations that deals with socioeconomic issues, uh, why she wants to live abroad to begin with as a young adult, and finally, some tips on how to live a fulfilled life. Hope you enjoy. This is In Loving Color, Abroad. Welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. And you, Angel? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. So, Semya, let's get right to it. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm Semya Tapia. I'm from Nicaragua. I'm an economist by training. And uh, after uh, uh, almost 40 years of uh, uh, working uh, life, uh, career, uh, I am retired now in uh, Costa Rica. Awesome, awesome. And one detail that uh, Samia left out, and I'm sure most of you, if you listen to my last episode, I said I was going to have a very special guest. And Samia is that very special guest because Samia is also my landlord. She owns the apartment, which I rent. So (laughs) some of you might be thinking, how in the world did you have this conversation with your landlord (laughs) about her life? So funny enough, and I'm sure, Samia, you've had the experience in your life. You just have happen to have conversations with people in very odd situations. So I had a small issue with the shower and Sammy, of course, went right away to the apartment with um, one of the workers to fix the issue. And while we're watching him fix the issue, we just start having a very normal conversation. And then I started asking questions. And I found out that Sammy used to work for the United Nations. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And lived in many different places around the world. And you're going to hear about that right now. So I'm so happy that, one, that I, I was curious about your life. <laughs> And you were, you were gracious enough to share details about it that were super amazing and interesting. And that's why you guys listening right now are going to hear a pretty awesome and amazing story. So, Samia, let's get right from the beginning. What it, what was it like for you growing up in Nicaragua? Oh, at that time, Nicaragua was uh, uh, still a beautiful country. Mm. <laughs> uh, especially during my university years and my... Uh, uh, initial uh, working experience. I worked in different institutions and I was exposed to the uh, um, brackets revolutionary experience uh, working uh, in rural areas, in uh, uh, urban settlements in city of Managua, in uh, with uh, fishermen. Mm. A very interesting period of transformation in Nicaragua in the eighties. Mm. Um, yes, okay. but in yeah, and I studied there at university. But I studied also in Peru. 
at mm. uh, Catholic University. Mm. Okay. And I all and I studied in the French system. Uh, that's why I, uh, you know. I speak also French. Right, right. And that's that's another thing. When I was hearing Semya speak at length, because obviously I've had conversations with her before, when she spoke English, I'm like, why does it sound like you have a French <laughs> a French accent yeah. when you speak English? I'm like, she's like, oh yeah, I speak French. And then sometimes when you speak Spanish, yeah. I heard a kind of accent from Spain. And you also lived in Spain, right? Yes, right. yes, yes, uh, many places. Yes. So that, that's what makes, I think, Samia one of the most interesting people that I've met is this diversity of places and the, how that influences you, right, and your life. Sure. It influences everything that you're, uh, the way you speak, mm-hmm. what you eat, the way you interact, the way you look at life, uh, different cultures. Right. Um, you appreciate what you have, but also you appreciate the difference, and you try to get the most of uh, the best thing of what is different from what you have known all your life, and you become a new person, a different person. Mm. I think so, especially if you are open. Since I'm not a person who is always trying to uh, stick to the same uh, habits. If I'm uh, in a country, I try to understand what is there, and I adjust. And adjust mm. to the way people interact. Uh, even if I can learn the language, I do my uh, my best. Uh, what they eat, I eat. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it made it. I think it made my life easier. I cannot right. complain. Be- being uh, mm. being able to adapt to situations is obviously super important. So Semya, what, yeah. yeah, when you were living in Nicaragua, at what point did you think about I want to maybe work? abroad, work in a different country. How did that come about? Oh, I remember when I was uh, at a school, the teacher uh, asked us a question, what did you want to do when uh, we will grow up? And uh, some of my uh, classmates were like, uh, I wish to be a lawyer, the other one, I wish to be a doctor, I wish to be a pilot. And myself, I said, I would like to change the world. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, therefore, uh, after I, when I finished my master, I started working in different institutions in Nicaragua, and the uh, opportunity came out to pass a national con- competitive exam to enter the United Nations. I told myself and my husband, why not? Um, the reputation of the UN still is good. And uh, the purpose is noble. Therefore, let's go for it. And I passed the exam. And uh, I passed it. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And your master's was in what? Um, my master in economics. Okay, so that was your background was was in economics. Yes, yes and in so economics. and so you passed. Yeah, you were an economist, so you passed the exam. And then what? Do you just get the job right away working for the UN? How, what was the process like to get that job? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you passed the. Uh, we passed the exam, the written exam in uh, uh, French, Spanish, and English in wow. Manawa. And after when the preselection was made of the few candidates that were left, we had to move to New York for the oral exam. And uh, once the oral exam was over, I waited a few months for the answer. And after that, I was offered a, a position in, in in Austria, Vienna. And wow. I, we left with my husband and my children, yes. Wow, wow. Mm. So, you went, so your first post was in Austria? 
Yes, yes. Wow, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. that's amazing. So so wait a minute. Yes. So you said you had to know how to speak French. At that point, before you take this exam, were you already taking French because you liked it, or you started learning like years before? I went to the French school in Nicaragua. Oh, you went to the okay. You already I was did that. raised okay. uh, uh, starting the school. Uh, my early years in school started everything in French. Oh, that, so you were speaking French for a long time. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. I didn't know. Okay, you got have it. French system, uh, French schools all over Latin America and all over the world, indeed. Oh, okay. And uh, you can uh, get educated and uh, in French and also uh, uh, Spanish in this case. And uh, you have the French baccalaureate, and then you can move to France, or you can uh, go to Peru, like I did. <laughs> so your parent, your parents wanted that for you to have a, a French-speaking education. Yeah, all my family, all my mm. family. Why, why, why is that? Why do you think that was? Because um, French, uh, at least. Uh, until recently, French was considered like uh, an, uh, a language of well-educated people, mm. uh, cultivated people. And, uh, yeah, that's the purpose. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with uh, uh, understanding of uh, the French culture will give you a good understanding of uh, uh, art and uh, philosophy and literature and you can move in the world because French uh, at that time was uh, uh, widely used in the world. Mm. And today is English, of course. Right, yes. right. Wow, that, and that's that's mm. pretty amazing how you've seen that change, right? From you said French and now English being the lingua franca of, sure, of the world. Sure, sure. Um, and all right. if you go to if you go to so many countries, to different countries, you will see that uh, a few old people still speak French because of this uh, old perception mm. that French was the uh, lingua franca used at that time. Yeah, wow. it was like the language for the diplomacy, the language, yeah, for the artists. No, it's English. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, though. Okay, so you get this position at the UN. What was going through your mind when you're like, wow, I'm now working for the United Nations? Because, of course, I mean, even now, when I think of the UN, I'm sure for most people listening, you think of this grand organization, right, that's about world peace and all these, you know, uh, achievements and, you know, they want to achieve so many grand ideas. And you said when you were, when you were growing up, you wanted to change the world. So here you are working for an organization that's that's their job. <laughs> so what was going through yeah. your mind? Yeah, yeah, I was very excited, of course, but I had a, a lot of adjustment uh, to understand that you work for an international organization, you don't work indeed for your government, that you work at the international level, therefore the nature of the problem you are dealing with uh, with are not small uh, like you used to do uh, to have at national level but our international dialogue is very important reaching consensus therefore being able to listen and uh, not to um, you are not alone you are part of a huge team huge you, you mm. don't even see the players but mm. you are part of this big team at the end of the day when the consensus is reached it has gathered the opinions and the feelings and the interests of so many people you are only a small piece of that and this modesty you have to understand it if not you get really frustrated mm. and this is a learning process 
and also to be able to adjust to uh, the international life. You are not with nationals, you are with people from different cultures, and then you have different way of talking, discussing, and dealing with life, and you have to be like modest and learn how to adjust. Yeah, and, and, a, lot, a lot of adjustment. Right. <laughs> it sounds like it. So how was that yeah. adjustment for you in Austria? What was the toughest thing yeah. about adjustment adjusting in Austria? Yeah, and also at that time, I had, uh, as a family, we had to adjust to moving to um, a country which is, in this case, Austria, uh, where people speak German. And uh, for that time, for example, uh, all the businesses will close on Saturday midday. You will not find one open store Saturday afternoon, <laughs> Sunday. Therefore, we didn't understand that that was uh, for the benefits of the workers. But for us as consumers, it was very stressful. Right. We were not used to that, you know, coming from Latin America. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, a lot of adjustment also to the local culture in in Austria uh, because of the specificities also of the Austrian context. Mm. The German, the, the, the time given to the families, uh, yeah, but also a very nice experience. Um, uh, one of the most beautiful cities, beautiful architecture, uh, very high level of uh, living standards for everybody, very low levels of poverty. Mm. And it was really nice to live uh, this experience. And, and why were you, why were you, set, uh, did you choose Austria or you were sent to Austria? I was sent. Okay. And, and and why and why were you sent to Austria? What was the job that you needed to do there in terms of economics? Uh, yeah, they offered me a job to work on social issues. Mm. Uh, being as an economist, I wanted to bring uh, an economic perspective to social issues, which I like. Uh, I like a lot... Uh, and they are working on cross-cutting issues. I don't want to be to see the world like in different boxes. For me, everything is really interrelated. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I was very happy to bring uh, my economic perspective to the social uh, uh, social uh, professionals working on social social issues uh, at that time. Mm. And what um, were some of the issues at that time in Austria? And for example, globalization was just coming mm. uh, as a big theme of discussion, and uh, I wanted to enter because globalization was uh, mostly an economic uh, phenomenon. But I wanted to understand the social dimensions in terms of employment destruction, employment creation, poverty. They wanted to understand that, therefore, they needed to bring an economist to the team. Mm. And and to embark on that kind of work, I mean, I'm sure it requires lots of research, right, from your end and the people that you're working with there. And so how... So, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so how... <laughs> how much stress did you feel that you had, even though you had the job, like you're basically a dream job, right, working for the United Nations? Was it a very stressful, I mean, in Austria in particular, was it very stressful to, to do that kind of work during that time for you? <laughs> Of course, uh, at the beginning, uh, learning um, the learning curve uh, has to be uh, hard, no? At the mm-hmm. beginning, is uh, you have to understand the language. Uh, I used to work in Spanish. I had to work in, in English and French. And... Uh, 
uh, yeah, I think that it was extremely stressful, and you have also the family adjustment. You have to adjust to the uh, what is the system in terms of education. Uh, but uh, I like working under stress because you you give the most of you. Mm. That's what I think. Okay, yes, so stress is, uh, this kind of stress for me is. Good. <laughs> so you work good under pressure then. <laughs> uh, I like uh, I like new challenges. Mm. I have uh, I'm not afraid of new challenges. Mm. I will always try to learn very fast, uh, spending nights if necessary, reading, thinking, writing. But I will uh, do my best. Mm, okay. So you you lived in Austria for how many years? I lived two years, and after that, the office had to move to New York. Mm. And then from there, we had to move to New York, to the headquarters. They moved all the office to New York, therefore we had to move. So you lived in New York, then you moved to New York, where I'm from, funny enough. (laughs) So now you're living in New York City. How long were you living in New York City for? Nine years. Wow, nine years. Uh, So take us inside, because the headquarters of the UN is in New York City. Well, take us inside this building. I've only seen it from the outside. I've never been in. Uh, so what is it like? To, yeah. So it's on 42nd, right? As you said? Yes. Yeah. So I only, again, I only see it from the outside. I've never actually walked inside the United Nations. Um, so take us through that. What is it like to go through those doors of the UN? Like, what do you see? Get, set, set the scene for us. <laughs> Yeah, at that time, because now it's different, but at that right, time, right. Uh, we had, uh, you will enter by the big uh, entrance, where, and but we have, uh, before the, sec- the high security issues, uh, at that time, it was easier, okay? Mm-hmm. You enter, you have uh, the UN security, UN security staff, you go by your, uh, by the gate, you show your ID, and you enter. It was pretty much straightforward, very easy. Uh, we knew each other, um, and uh, therefore uh, we will be there. Uh, myself, usually I will be there seven thirty-eight because for me the best thing was to leave my kids in the school very early mm-hmm. and get in the office very early mm. uh, and start early. Yes, bring my coffee, sit, and start working. And lunch, you go to the there is a, a, a bar, there different restaurant inside, or you can go outside. Just in front, you have a, a Thai restaurant, or you can have a sandwich to go to a deli. Uh, you know. A Around the, the 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 corner, you have so many restaurants. But usually, I will go to the UN restaurant either in the main building or in DC one, which is a building just in front of the main building. We know mm. uh, you have restaurant. You can have a nice salad bar, uh, and then you go back uh, to the office. Work very fast because you have to leave uh, uh, relatively at a decent time to be at home. The children. And uh, the family, yeah. Right, right. I know how New York is. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The rat for race me, of New York was, City. <laughs> for me, the, it was a cultural shock. Mm. I used to, uh, you know, I, I come from Nicaragua. This uh, small city, Managua, is small, small population, uh, small rights. Uh, everything is at uh, at hand, and then you go to New York. Even in Vienna, it's very very pleasant and easy mm-hmm. to move. And then you go to Manhattan, and then the distances are like huge, right. and the time spent. Then, 
Time. Did you live in Manhattan as well? Hmm? Did you live in Manhattan as well? At the beginning, I used uh, I lived in Manhattan, but after that, because of uh, the quality of life, we mm -hmm. decided to go to uh, New Jersey. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, New Jersey, uh, nice, but of course, uh, time become a very expensive item because you spend <laughs> right. it uh, riding cars, subway, mm -hmm. bus, it becomes like, I think this was the most shocking, uh, I think, aspect of this adjustment to understand that people can spend their time going and coming For right me, it was right like and <laughs> i didn't understand why you could uh, spend your life because life is time right um like that i yeah, never this was a big show. i've never heard it put it that way that people like sure, but people spend most of their time coming and going it's so wild yeah and uh, yeah. it was <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, don't know, I was thinking, uh, mm, my life is spent on subway in a bus and a car, it cannot be. And I was, mm. at the time, I was like, after nine years, I said, mm -mm, it cannot be. Mm. Uh, it cannot be like that, yeah. And then mm. and then, what did you do? What, what, what did you do to, to say, uh, I gotta leave New York? I took, uh, I took what they call the exit option. I applied for a position in Morocco, and I went to Tangier. A really small town. Um, small office. Uh, it was a sub-regional office dealing with North African countries uh, only, and uh, you deal with so many issues at the same time. You are not specialized on one topic. You have to deal with many topics, mm. and that was perfect for me to readjust from <laughs> too big to too small. <laughs> and you and, right, <laughs> and you moved also with your with your husband and your kids. Or, oh, yes, yes, wow. yes, yes. So yes, what was it yes, like yes, for your yes, husband yes. at the time? I mean, he, he's basically, he's a traveling spouse, right? He's he's moving. He, <laughs> he, yes, uh, but he, he is an independent uh, uh, employer. Mm. That means he's a, uh, an architect. Therefore, he was working for himself. Ah, uh, okay, I see. And what was it yeah. like for your kids? How old were they when they moved to Morocco with you? Yeah, um... Uh, Ten and uh, maybe uh, maybe eight and uh, eight and twelve something like that. Huh? <laughs> they were in uh, not yet in uh, in high school. Mm, okay. But uh, yeah. mm. Mm. so and then, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, only to tell you that uh, in Tangier, hopefully uh, there is an American school. Uh, American School of Tangier. That was very interesting because they have one in Rabat, one in Casablanca, and one in a small town called Tangier. <laughs> that was very, yeah, that was very convenient. If not, it would have been a problem indeed. Right, right, yeah. right. So, I mean, obviously it seems like you, you mentioned this uh, earlier on, how you just, you know, you're open to new challenges. Why, why do you feel, do you feel yours is naturally that in that way or do you feel that the job that you had prepared you more to be open to new challenges? What, what do you think it is? What do you credit that to? I think it's, uh, it's me. I think it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I, of course, it's because you can easily uh, stay where you are, don't challenge yourself and life is good. Right. But I like, I like. Uh, in this case, my job was not obliging me to move. Right. I, uh, I defined my life and this, and defined uh, what I want also. You know? Wow, wow. And then so you At live. At least I try. Right, right. So then you live in Morocco. <laughs> How long were you in Morocco for? Uh, 
uh, uh, I spent maybe four or five years, and after that, I went to uh, to uh, I went to Nicaragua. Okay, so I, applied, I, I just want to put yeah. this in perspective for people listening, because most of the people who say me that listen to my podcast, they're they're around people my age, or a little bit older. And it's just funny, you say you lived in four or five years Morocco, two years in Vienna, Austria, nine years in New York, and, you know, here I am, you know, living my third year in Costa Rica. <laughs> no, no, but, but, no, 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 but the thing is, it's just the perspective of, of the things that you can do. You said, you said time is, right, time is life, right? You, you already knew from, from an early on stage, this is what I want to do, and you went for it, right? Even though you didn't know the countries or whatever, you're like, yep, this is it. I'm going to accept this new challenge. So I think that's pretty... I think it's, it's much more the attitude. If uh, you feel that after a certain number of years, uh, what you have given is enough, you cannot learn more, or uh, you are not uh, satisfied with uh, what you're doing or with the environment, you do, I always uh, think about the exit option. And exit option is on me. I cannot complain about the others, okay? Mm. Therefore, uh, I try to make the changes I can do. And the system, in this case, you apply for positions. You apply, you apply, you apply. And and then you run the risk of the change. Some people don't like changes, okay? Right. But they will complain continuously about how they are living and how they are working. I try to avoid this kind of uh, mental state. If I see that I'm not satisfied or I uh, am satisfied but I would like to see new things, I challenge myself, yeah. Mm. That's, wow. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and what were you working on in Morocco in particular? What, what issues were I there? I was working yeah, on North Africa. For me, it was really new. I didn't know anything about North Africa. My French was uh, old, very old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, really very old because I used to, uh, I went to school a long time ago. I finished, but after I worked in Spanish and in English, therefore uh, starting French was interesting for me. It's like, okay, let's start. And then uh, we do all what they have learned. And I, and French was like I became very fluent. I was very happy. My children learned French also. Therefore, it was good. It was a good investment. And uh, learning about this new culture, the food, uh, the way people interact, uh, the position of women, the geopolitics of the area, the economic dimension of uh, all these countries, interaction with uh, the rest of Africa, the interaction with Europe. Right. I think it was very interesting. Wow. I mean, yeah. it sounds, I mean, I was just going to say, it sounds extremely interesting. And I think one thing for, with in your position working for the UN, that I think um, people like in my profession as teachers, we don't get to really feel this like immediately through our job. Like I, I work at, a, at an international school, as I think you know. And it's an American school, so I deal with students that come from a lot of different backgrounds. So that's been different and interesting to deal with students that come from different backgrounds from all over the world. However, when it comes to like the bubble, where what I what you know most people call the expat bubble, it's been hard for me, even my third year here, to kind of escape that and really, you know, in my opinion, know get to know the real Costa Rica or you know wherever anyone else is living to get to know the real part of the country. But I feel with your position, your work. Is about really getting to know the country that you're in. That's like your job. So I think yeah, it's that's super my interesting. Job. And yeah. we have to interact with locals. Right. Even though it depends also on your attitude. You can always 
live in a bubble. Right, you can right. choose to live in a bubble. That's how you deal uh, in a certain way with people. You don't interact. You don't uh, get emotionally uh, linked to your environment. You don't try to talk, understand what is around you. You can always create a wall. Huh? Right. But if you don't create a wall and you have few friends and you read the news and you watch the movies, you anticipate the history, you read the... You can... You know, you can enjoy what you are doing where you are. You can. Mm, right, right, right. Mm. I, I, mm-hmm. I definitely think, I agree. And I think it's just so interesting that your job requires you to really be open. In the sense that you said to be open, but to have new challenges, but your job requires that of you. You know, here's this new country. to make a, Do a report on the, you know, social economic situation of said country. I think that's so interesting. Yes, that's true. You have to read a lot. Um uh, yeah, but you can do it also as a bureaucrat, okay? <laughs> and you can also do it as in a more proactive way. That means I am interested by these countries, by this population, by these young people, these women, these poor people. Let's try to make a difference. Let's try to bring something. You know, you have different attitude. You can right. behave as a bureaucrat. You do your work, you go home, and you enjoy uh, uh, being there or being in your bubble with mm-hmm. your friends from mm-hmm. your same countries, and then you don't, you know what I mean? It depends also. Right, uh, right, right. Depends. And how will, you, how will you describe your colleagues on, on that same train of thought? Were your colleagues, where it's like very different kinds of attitude towards their work? How would you describe that? Exactly. No, you have different people all over the place. But not only my colleagues, but in life, you have people who are like, who would like to make some kind of difference when they interact with others. And you have people who don't care. They, uh, they stick to their bubble and then that's it. Hmm. And the same for the colleagues. Some colleagues will not interact at all with anybody. Well, they leave the office, they go home, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No way to interact with uh, the locals uh, right, right. Uh, in brackets. But uh, if you go, you go to market, you go to art, you read, you go to the theater, the movie, you watch local movies, and you talk to the people, even those selling <laughs> in the market, and then you interact a lot with more with your local colleagues, and so you can uh, enjoy life right, better. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And then to get... And you, add, uh, you need an attitude. You need, like, to... You need an attitude. Right, right, right. Attitude mm-hmm. adjustment. That's what you need. <laughs> yeah, adjustment and flexibility and no judgment. Mm-hmm. You cannot be like judging the others. Uh, mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And so you're Morocco mm-hmm. and then from Morocco you went where? I went to Nicaragua. I went back. I wanted really to uh, to spend one year. I spent uh, one year and a half in Managua working also for the UN. I applied for a job. And I came, I applied for one year and a half, and then I felt, wow, so happy to be working again in my country. Very good work, very interesting. I was very, very happy. It made me so happy. And after that, I applied for a position in Albania, and I went to Albania. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. I mean, how awesome, uh, first of all, how awesome is that every place you've applied to, you've gotten to? I mean, is there places that you applied to that no, you didn't no, get the no, job? No, no, or? No, 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 it's not like that. You applied to thousands. And okay, okay, one. okay. I, no, 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 I no, want no, to make no, sure. No, it's not, no, you can easily say, oh, this is impossible.
possible, never will happen. No, you have to apply one, two, three, ten times, twenty times, thirty, and then after, because you are not the only one. Huh? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what were some places that you didn't get to go to that that uh that you wanted to that you applied, uh, that you applied to and you didn't get to? Uh, let's see, Madrid. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it was difficult because it was difficult. Madrid, I couldn't. Yeah. Okay, okay, but I mean, how... <laughs> right, right, right. So you lived in Albania. How long were you in Albania for? Uh, two years. Awesome. And yes, and after that, uh, I was a representative a representative of women, women, women. You know, the women's uh -huh. organization, and I liked because the context was so interesting it was a country that just came out of a transition country a country that uh, just came out of uh, 50 years of uh, closed policy now the country was close to any external influence mm -hmm. uh, under a communist regime uh, a dictatorship and the country was in transition then uh, you can see the country in transition i i like the experience i really like the very interesting people uh very interesting history of uh, uh, albania and the whole area very interesting really wow. uh, i mean i, mm. I can i mean again I, i'm just super i know we had this conversation just a little bit about this now we're going to detail which i like so you've been to all these different places around the world and what's cool about it is also you you stayed like you know multiple years and is is that because you chose to? Because your job required you, like, oh, in order to do this report, you need to be here X amount of time. How does that work? As far as how long you stay at a country? No, no, it depends. Okay. Um, it depends because in uh, when I was in uh, in Morocco, I decided to go to Nicaragua. I applied for a position and I got it. Therefore, I went and uh, I moved there for. But after Nicaragua, I. Um, I made uh, some. Uh, I wanted to go back to the from the national to the international level. Therefore, that's why I, I moved out Nicaragua to go as an international. Because going to Nicaragua, you are an, a national, mm -hmm. uh, national uh, officer. You work as a national. But going at it, and then I, I wanted to move at the international level. That's why I moved to Albania. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then from Albania, um, you you went where? I went to uh, I went to Africa. I went to Ethiopia. I went to the regional office, uh, the Economic Commission for Africa, which is the regional office uh, of the United Nations dealing with African issues and how Africa relates to the rest of the world and how the rest of the world impacts on Africa. And you did a report on that, correct? I worked on I worked on uh, uh, I, I worked on so many issues, but in this. At that time, when I was in Addis, I started working on uh, the role of cities, how cities uh, and urbanization can contribute to Africa's development. Therefore, our job was to bring uh, experiences from different uh, parts of the world, showing how cities have been uh, uh, have contributed to increase uh, productivity. Uh, uh, and, and uh, export, uh, exports and uh, many uh, dimensions in yeah. other countries and how this can happen in, in Africa. And this was very interesting because the topic was totally new. <laughs> right. Uh, totally.
nobody knew we had like to uh, gather information from scratch we had to gather information on very old african cities uh, and what role they have played in the past therefore we had this uh, historical dimension we had the economic dimension the sociological the political environmental dimension of urbanization and how all these dimensions should be taken into account to make the best of uh, african cities wow and um, very very interesting yeah mm. we provided training we did books and reports on that right i mean i, I, I just think it's uh, i mean again I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep repeating myself here but i can just tell in the way you're describing this that you feel fulfilled by the work that you did right would that be correct to say yes i do i do that's uh, um, if you want to be happy or to not to lose your life which is your time in things you don't like find things you like do things you like or make sense of it make make it likable mm. if you can huh? yeah. if you can and that's why uh, I was offered the challenge to work on urban issues uh, at first, I didn't say no. I said, okay, why not? <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that, that's the yeah, lesson here. Okay, uh, why not? Why that's not? the lesson. <laughs> uh, why not? If uh, I found it very challenging in the African context, because uh, most African countries are uh, still rural countries where agriculture still dominates, but uh, urbanizing very fast. And governors don't know how to deal with that, whether it is a, a bonus, whether it is a disaster, they don't know. And because uh, planning had disappeared from uh, all the institutions, uh, the African institutions, planning disappeared with, uh, uh, okay, very bad recipes. Uh, and therefore, they don't know what to do, whether it is the private sector that has to lead the urbanization process, or is it the government with proper planning, or is it hand-in-hand uh, -hand government and private sector mm. and the communities. It's, uh, therefore, it's, it was very timely. That's, mm. uh, that's the issue. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty apparent that you deal with a lot of complex issues no matter where you were. <laughs> and obviously, this job is very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> issues are complex. Issues of development are extremely yeah. complex. Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they are, they are. No, no, the same as if I say education is complex. Right, uh, right, right, uh, right. Building a house is complex if you want to do it well, you know? Right, right, right. For uh, education is extremely complex. Right. And so, I, so yeah. just tell me, uh, so you mentioned all these countries you lived in. So just tell me what other countries have you lived in throughout your entire time that you were in the UN. So you mentioned Ethiopia was the last one, then where else did you go off to? No, after that, after Ethiopia, after working on urban issues at the regional level, I decided myself, I wanted to move to uh, uh, an office that is uh, for Central Africa, which uh, therefore I went to Cameroon. Mm. And then I wanted to uh, to discover this part of Africa, which is uh, the rainforest area, a very interesting part of Africa right. with history. Yeah, right. I, uh, and I then, went there. And then I'm just trying to get all the countries so I know how many countries you've been. So you've lived in Cameroon, and then Cameroon, where did you go to? <laughs> no, after Cameroon was my last duty station. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I moved, uh, I, I decided to take my early retirement. 
early. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I wanted to go back to Latin America and to uh, you know my family is here. Therefore, I right, to be right, with my right. Family. So, so mm-hmm. let, let's take it there, right? Because I think this is where the insight is going to be very valuable. You obviously have a very had a very fulfilling job, and your life's work is with that, right? With the UN and all the things that you enjoy doing. How was it? What did you tell yourself that you knew? All right, now it's time. Oh yeah, I knew. Um, um, I knew it was time when I saw my kids. You know, they're grown up, and I I couldn't see them. Uh, you know, after the uh, during the university, and they started their working life. I said, no, now you have to take this. You know, for me, life is time. Therefore, mm-hmm. I said, oh, my time, I have to spend this time with my children. Mm-hmm. A big uh, uh, looking whether I will marry, I will have grandchildren. Uh, I will, yeah, for me, time. I mm-hmm. said, okay, now time has come for me to enjoy life differently. I wanted also to go and try to give mm-hmm. differently. Uh, it's a pity now that we have the COVID, but really my intention was to work on a voluntary basis on STEM or with migrants. That was my purpose. I wanted really to be like giving at this. That was mentally, I was like that. Okay. Mm, okay. Um, mm. Right. That's so, that's so interesting. And then what, what, so your kids were already in Costa Rica. Is that why you came to Costa Rica or? Yeah, my son uh, okay. was here already. Okay, and that's why you decided to come to this uh, beautiful um, condominium complex where I live in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The one that yes, you own, yes, and you yes. know, you, you don't live too far from me, also. <laughs> yes, yes. But, I had the opportunity to meet you. Uh, yes, really nice. Th- that was Very nice. nice. Uh, I nice agree. That that was a nice meeting. And, I mean, it's just so it's just so awesome how now we're having. And I'm sure people listening are like, this must be strange to be having this kind of conversation with your landlord and the landlord with the tenant. But I think it's just so cool because, again, it's about being open, like you said, Samuel, right? If yeah, you're open, that's not the most important right. part of it. The most important part of it is you have two human beings. You have your right. own life experience. I had my own. Right. I still have my own life experience. You are doing something beautiful, and I agree that it's a really a topic of, uh, of importance. Uh, Right. I know why uh, <laughs> I worked on that. I am. Uh, I was a minority in different contexts. Right. I am a woman, therefore I have always been a minority, right. even though we are not in number. Therefore, uh, I work on human rights a lot. Mm. Therefore, um, I really uh, appreciate what you're doing. That's why I'm ready to talk to you and to your uh, listeners. I, I, I appreciate that very much. That's, that's too kind of you. And no, that's why I wanted, obviously, I wanted you on because the insight you have and the work you do is, is just, it's it's amazing, the work you did. Um, so now, let's, we're going to, uh, I could talk to you, I say this with most of my guests, but I really, I picked them as quality over quantity because I can speak to you for over two hours, but I can't make the podcast that long. <laughs> but, um, yeah, 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 I think that's it. Thank you. That's, no. uh, I hope uh, it was useful yeah. in the sense you... Well, we, ha- we have one more segment, though. We have one more segment. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> not no quite. Problem. You, can't, you can't, no. I can't, can't let you go so quick. No. So, the last segment, I always do this as a, as a lightning round segment. So, I just, you know, I give you a okay. question and then you give me a one-word one response, okay? Okay. Right, it's going to be tough for you because you live in a lot of different places. <laughs> so, what was your favorite, if you have one... Your favorite uh, posting around the world. Which one was it? Mm. 
My favorite posting uh, will be Ethiopia mm. in Addis Ababa. Ethiopia, yes. okay. Yeah, because of Go ahead. everything we did. Mm. And what was your least favorite posting? <laughs> Oh, that's difficult because I, I all like them a lot. No, really. Oh, what was the most uh, difficult? I would say that. Let me change it. Most difficult. Ah, uh, the most difficult. Maybe New York because of the context. Mm. Very difficult. Like quality of life is uh, very low and. Um, it's difficult, the, the, you know, the, the American environment, because of the way the city is is right. made. No, city is not for human beings. City is for cars and money to move, but not for human beings. Right, and uh, it's an example of a city that it's too dense, too too inhuman for me. Right. Um, what mm. What would you say in one word? This is going to be hard. But what would you say is the number one lesson you've learned out of that you could take collectively out of all the places you've you've lived around the world? I think flexibility is uh, what I will suggest. Uh, if mm. you are uh, a foreign in a foreign land, be flexible. Mm. Don't expect to eat what you used to eat uh, at home, or to speak the way, or to interact. Try to be modest and learn and adjust as much as you can get the most of it uh, out of it and uh, right. you will have a nice experience if you are if you are flexible right. if not you will suffer right right final final mm. question this is uh, you have one minute on the clock or however long however long you want um you mentioned this you were growing up and you said that you want to change the world right and now that you you know you fulfilled you know you fulfilled your life's work and in, in the job that you had for many many years, and now your enjoyment right rightfully so your retirement years here in beautiful Costa Rica, <laughs> um, what would you say for those that also want to change the world, whether that's through education, through whatever profession they're choosing, whether they want to be in the United Nations like you were, what would you say are some qualities? You mentioned flexibility, but what are some of the qualities you need to try to have that passion for changing the world? Oh, yeah. respect. You know, you need to respect the others. Uh, you know, you need to respect the rights of the others. Human rights are essential guiding principle. And if you respect the human rights, you respect the others. You respect the poor people in the street. You respect that people are different than you. You, uh, you appreciate the value of different culture. You uh, you forget about all this stupid uh, division created because of the color of the way we speak or uh, the way we eat. If you are <laughs> modest, you respect the rights of the people in front of you, the culture in front of you, I think this you can make a difference. You can contribute. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Semya. I definitely did. Um, I just think it's so cool how in life, how when you're open to uh, situations and conversations, you just learn amazing things about people. Semya has been my landlord for over a year now. I've met her on multiple occasions, but never did we have an opportunity to really speak like that. <laughs> so the fact that I got to know her through this very, you know, just as watching someone fix uh, <laughs> the shower and just having a random conversation that we get into this, you know, and my curiosity, right, led to uh, this knowing these wonderful details about her life, which is an extremely interesting life that she has lived thus far. 
And it's just awesome to, to hear these stories. And I always say this. Um, I mentioned this on my previous episode when I, when I interviewed Zeke on Kuwait. Where people are older than you, it's always important to uh, to listen, to try to, you know, take in uh, their wisdom and guidance. And I definitely, um, one thing that stood out for me with Semya is this, this just willingness to just take on challenges, right? And I think that's a, that's a definitely a, a good tip for uh, for those looking to go abroad. It's a challenge to live abroad. And you got to be willing and open to all these challenges that she's moved to so many different countries, as you have heard, and has all these experiences and, and, and all this knowledge now um, in her back pocket. So I just think that was so cool. And I really appreciate her taking the time. But yeah, um, on next week's episode, I finally know who I'm going to have on. And it's already recorded. <laughs> so in next week's episode, you'll be listening to Michelle, who is living abroad in Russia. So that's going to be a great one. And I have others lined up as well. So Russia is going to be a great episode. So many things about Russia that I didn't know that I now know. And I hope you tune in. So as always, if you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next week. I mean it this time. (laughs) This is In Living Color Abroad. Peace.